Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk 087-1400-106 is our WhatsApp number. Our email address is afternoon at newstalk.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter. It is indeed time for uh, Movies and Booze. We're joined in the studio by Fanula Jones, Jean Smollin and Deirdre Malumbi. Good afternoon to you Hello. all. Hello. Hi guys. Uh, so this afternoon, Jean, uh, where are we off to? Portugal and Spain. We're going to do a Vina Verde and a wine from Rioja. Right, okay. And the uh, Vina Verde, as I understand it, is a low alcohol wine. Low, well, actually, normally it's usually about 10 to 11. This one is actually 12, but it's still, you know, yeah, it'll do. Leaning it's, towards leaning low to, alcohol. For those not doing dry January. Yeah, okay. And what's the Rioja then? The Rioja is El Cotto. It's one of the biggest um, producers in Rioja and it's a Crianza. So, um, you know, a very, very popular style on the Irish market. Oh, yes, indeed. Of course it is. Right, so uh, today the two... Uh, um, Deirdre, the two movies, Poor Things and uh, uh, is it The Boys in the Boat? The Boys in the Boat. The Boys in the Boat. Now, Poor thing. is there like a thing? And Now, I know all of his films are, you know, on the weirdy spectrum absolutely anyway. Yeah, 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 absolutely <laughs> mad. But is there a thing at the moment for absolutely mad films? Like, um, you know, Saltburn and... You know, uh, people are trying to tell stories, but in the strangest way possible. Almost. Yeah, that's true. I suppose I hadn't thought of comparing it to Saltburn. But yeah, I suppose they both share in common in that they're very weird. Also, both quite sexually aggressive, I'd probably describe our yeah. movies. So they have that in common as well. Uh, but yeah, I suppose we are. I suppose it's kind of the nature of, you know, what is cinema anymore is what's happening at the moment. You oh, know, gosh, that's we've a very big so, question. <laughs> well, we've gotten so fatigued and we kind of end up like chatting about it most weeks anyway, in terms of news, what's going on with the likes of like Marvel and and stuff, but those films have really kind of started to suffer at the box office, and people are asking, "What do we go to the cinema to watch anymore?" And apparently, the answer is, "Yeah, some weird stuff sometimes." Okay, can that be can that result then in? Because uh, I'll fess up, I know everybody loves Saltburn. I watched Saltburn. I thought it was uh, Brideshead revisited with a bit of writing. Uh, uh, that was it. I, I I I felt I'd seen the story before. It's a yeah. very common trope in literature and films. And they, you know, put in some mad, you know, and and you saw your man's Mickey. So, you know, but like if you cut out a few different scenes of it, yeah. uh, um, it's a pre- it was a pretty like, you know, bog standard film. There was nothing that remarkable about it, I thought. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, the thing that I quite liked about both Saltburn and Poor Things, I would say, is that I, I, I see the dark sense of humour to both of those and yeah, I do find yeah. myself kind of laughing along with the, with both those films. So I suppose it is something that you're kind of either on board with or not. Yorgos Lanthimos has already proven to be a very divisive uh, director. This is the guy who did um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Lobster, um, The Favourite, which are all very weird films, but they have kind of found their niche audience as well mm, at the same yeah. time. You know? No, but I think the stories he tells are very unusual stories. Yes. So uh, that kind of you know, marks it out in that way, and 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 actually, I must say, I loved all his films. The 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 boys in the boat, though, is this George? Is George Clooney kind of in a bit of a dip at the moment in terms of his directorial stuff? Anyway, yeah, I would think so because his last three films would have been Suburbicon, The Midnight Sky, and The Tender Bar, which were all some people might describe lackluster, other people might describe as 
total flops. So he hasn't yeah. really quite had a hit as a director in a while. And what's also interesting about um, this film, The Boys in the Boat, is that it marks his first cinematic effort in quite a while because uh, The Midnight Sky and The Tender Bar, they would have gone to Netflix and Prime Video respectively. And Suburbicon was out, I think, in something like 2017, maybe 2016. So it's been a while since he had a movie that went to the cinemas. And I will get into this when I talk about the review, but I can absolutely see why it was this particular project he picked. Yeah, but you couldn't have um, these two films you've chosen today couldn't be more different. I would very imagine. different audiences, I think. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, I'm v- very excited to see uh, The Last of Us 2 is coming. Now, yes. th- it, but is... Is this not, this isn't a continuation of the story or is it? Or, or, or It's a continuation of the story from the game. So for anyone who's not familiar, The Last of Us is based on like a very critically acclaimed, best-selling PlayStation series game called The Last of Us. Um, and there was a sequel game released to it called The Last of Us Part 2, which continues the story that we saw if you watched the screen adaptation yeah. already in season one. Now, what I'd imagine they're going to do is, this is just me speculating, I think the hope is that they'll get a third season and that they'll take the story of the second game and split it across two seasons because I think there's a lot to cover. But essentially in the second game, it's five years after the events of the first game. Um, and we've had a lot of significant casting news this week. I will say if you have not played the game and you, but you are very interested in the show, whatever, you're a huge fan, I would proceed with caution with investigating any of these characters because Oh, it will be spoiled for you is all I'll say on that because okay. it, it was for me. Um, so we have uh, Rosaline star Isabella Merced is going to play Dina who ends up being Elle's love interest. Uh, well, in, in the video game at least but I'd imagine it's going to play out on screen as well. And then we have young Mazzino who was a breakout star from Beef, Netflix's Beef. He's joining as Jesse. He plays this like pillar of, commun- of community, puts kind of everyone else before himself kind of Ellie and, Ellie, and, Ellie and Dina's friend, uh, but there's kind of a bit of consternation there. Again, won't really get into it. Caitlin Dever, who people know from Dope Sick, she's playing Abby, who's kind of the main protagonist, I would say, of the second game as well. Very significant character. Um, the description for her character is like, very skilled soldier, very black in my view of the world, out for vengeance. Kind of similar to Ellie in some ways. So, yeah, very exciting. I'm very, very, very excited for the second season. Who's not going to be in it then? Who's not going to be in it? Yeah. We're just going to have to wait and see. Okay, like, but like, can we assume the same actress? Pedro Pascal and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the person who plays Ellie, whose name yeah. I am scrambling <laughs> I'm to glad remember. Because I couldn't Ramsey think of Pedro Pascal. Bella Ramsey, thank yes. you very much. Yeah. They are reprising their roles. Yeah. All right, okay, yeah. good. All right, yeah. okay. That's, that's And I will fun. say... No more on anything else, but I'm very excited. Yeah, okay. Good. Uh, so uh, the SAG nominations, uh, yeah, 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 Killian getting one. He's Killian now to us all. <laughs> He's Killian, uh, yeah. is, is no surprise. But, uh, <laughs> Killian forever, yeah. Yeah, it was a surprise why poor old Jeremy Strong didn't get one. This devastating news for the for the succession heads, personally, yeah. Uh, now, they still picked up a lot of awards, succession overall, but like in the TV categories, like all of his co-stars are nominated. So you have Kieran Culkin, Sarah Snook, who just won at the Golden Globes, as well as Matthew McFadden and Brian Cox, they're all nominated. Jeremy Strong's been kind of shut out and that was kind of the biggest, I think, snub of the SAGs. Leonardo DiCaprio didn't get a Best Actor one for Killers of the Flower Moon either. I think that was the other kind of significant one. But yeah, like I'm just wondering because it's like the actors are nominating performances. I'm like, is, did the method acting like really rub people the wrong way that they were like, okay, we can't even yeah. engage with this? I don't know because, and but they, then again, also it's really hard because especially in this last season, everyone was brilliant so it's like, how do yeah, you pick? Yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah. But, um, but there know. might be that, to, yeah, there might be a perception of him that, you know, dick. Yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah. And then it's also like, he'll get one eventually. I don't know, because he's so prolific anyway. I don't know. 
I don't know. I just remember I just saw it and I was like, oh, Jeremy. Yeah. Sad. Okay. But there were no great surprises in it, were there? No, Apart not really. Him, in terms one. of like most nominations, you've got Bodai Ryan Barbie with four each, uh, coming up the rank then with three of American fiction, Killers of the Fair Moon. Uh, we were actually just talking about this before we came on air at the holdovers with Paul Giamatti, which is a film I haven't really seen. I'm not sure if it's out over here, it's probably not, but again, hmm. uh, he won at the Golden Globes in Best uh, Actor for a Musical or Comedy. So we were kind of seeing if he would he be competition for Killian at the Oscars. I doubt it. I don't know. It's kind mm-hmm. of hard to see. But yeah, the holdovers, Maestro is coming in with two, Nyad with two, Poor Things with two, The Colour Purple with two, and then kind of coming up the area of Rustin and Ferrari. Um, yeah, no major shocks yeah. there, I will say. is uh, th- The fact that Killian's doing so well and is kind of run up to the Oscars, is, is that a good sign or a bad I, sign, do you think? A good sign. Good sign yeah. I think the Screen Actors Guild is kind of actually more a better sign than with the Golden Globes. Yeah, so if he wins yeah. at that, I mean, I'd be, it'd be pretty, I'd be getting the banners out in Cork. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I He's think that's what beat. they say with the SAG Awards in respect of to who's going to ultimately win in the kind of acting categories at the Oscars. And then they also say the PGA Awards is the one to look out for with regards to who's going to ultimately win Best Picture because it's something like a huge, huge number of the films that have won Best Picture at the PGAs have gone on to win the okay. Oscars. There you Sorry go. for this question. What are the PGAs? Oh, uh, the Producers Guild Awards. Okay. All right. I thought there was something to do with golf. Um, <laughs> uh, has any of your panel seen anything, anyone but you is it good looking for an easy watch tonight I wanted to it was supposed to be heralding this, the rom-com is back Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell have saved romantic comedies but their reviews were not good so oh right okay I didn't, yeah I didn't end up investigating okay wh- where's it on is it like a Netflix jobby no I think it was uh, a cinema release I'm oh, not sure if it's still so. in cinemas yeah. but um, it was definitely in cinemas at one point if it's not still there so okay yeah. Uh, after Fanula's recommendation last week, I've started watching Traitors. It's mad. And the ginger lad is crazy. <laughs> Correct. All I ever want is to influence people to watch more reality TV. So perfect. Okay. Brilliant. Has any of the, uh, have you ever watched Traitors? No. 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 Guys, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, it's somebody so else says The Last of Us Part 2, the game, is very decisive. Anyone who's watched the series alone is going to be shocked. Oh, I, yeah. I will. I will say that. Which is why, again... You need to, I know people get really excited about shows and want to investigate and stuff, but you might need, you will need to like restrict yourself because it will just be spoiled for you. Unless you want to play the game, which I would recommend because it's very good. But yeah. yeah. But even like in the, in the first series, the opening 10 minutes or so of it was like a straight lift from the game, which which sounds terrible, but it was actually brilliant. It's very faithful to the game and it's, uh, it's been adapted very well because I think again, the Last of Us fandom for want of, for want of a better word, um, they're very protective over the game and they're very, like, they are watching this, like, Hawks and even with this casting news, they're very, like, how's Caitlin Dever going to look? Because I think the character is supposed to be very kind of well-built and very strong. So, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm positive about it. I think it'll be good. I think they'll, I think oh, they'll yeah. pull it off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I'd, have, I'd be fairly comforted. Right, so, uh, Jean. Uh, on to the wine. On. Yeah, um, Portugal. Portugal has now become enormously fashionable um, as a country of origin. And uh, there was a wine fair on last uh, October and there was some amazing, all the importers of our Portuguese wine uh, showed their wines. And just the sheer quality of what they have. It's really a country that's one to watch. Um, a lot of people go there on holiday, so that's where they kind of get introduced to the wines. Um, Vino Verde, though, has now become fairly firmly fixed on people's go-to wine. And the grape particularly that this wine is made from is also huge in Ireland. Alberino is the, you know, is the, mm. it, it, as in Spain. 
from Rias Baxis. Um, but it's actually, it, it's, it's in both countries and it, the, the pronunciation and the spelling is slightly different. Alvarino, um, A-L-V-A-R-I-N-H-O, but it's basically the same, um, grape variety. And even as you can see, I'm, I'm, see, see the, the bit of CO2, you see the, the, yeah. the bubbles there. Vino Verde is a style that it's naturally they leave the bit of petulance in there. The CO2 is deliberately left in there, in, you know, as part of the fermentation technique. Most of these um, Vino Verdes tend to be very, very low alcohol. Um, it's, it's one of the, it's kind of, it's the everyday wine that they drink in Portugal. Everywhere you go, it's pretty well available. They eat a lot of fish over there as well. And it's absolutely the perfect wine uh, to serve with fish. Now, normally Vino Verde is made from three different Portuguese grapes, um, which, you know, um, like Lurira, Tragedero, um, and then the bit of Alvarino in there. And they Tragedero, that's Tragedero, a great name. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, I mean, they've cried great names. when you drink like, it. <laughs> my, my favourite one is this Portuguese grape called, and it's called Eshkagana Cow. And that translates as strangled dog. Right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and they have, I mean, they've, they've brilliant grape varieties, which are unpronounced. But even though the grape varieties nobody's ever heard of, actually, that doesn't stop. People love the actual style because they make bloody good wines in Portugal. Some great winemakers there. So um, this is up in the north in Minau, um, which is it's you could be in Ireland. I mean, I've been there many, many times. Um, it's sunny spells, scattered showers, Atlantic weather fronts. Um, the only difference is there's more sunshine there. So the grapes actually ripen, you know, mm. which makes it a, uh, so they can actually grow them there. Um, but you could be in the west of Ireland. You know, I mean, it's very, it's not dissimilar in terms of its geography. But um, here is where they make this um, Vino Verde. And Vino Verde is made in red, white. Um, they have sparkling styles. They've all sorts of styles. But the one that everybody really goes for is the white. Now, this is a posh one and it's the 2022 Quinta da Avaleda. Um, it's it's in independent off licenses, so it'll range in price between about 16 and 18 euro. Um, you get a place like Donnybrook Fair and um, Port Marnock, um, Jew Divine, you know that place yes, well. Indeed, and yeah. um, Brady's in Shank Hill, McHugh's in Artane. It's most of the uh, independents have it. Um, it's actually lovely. Now, this is 100% um, Alvarino. And one of the characteristics of the Alvarino grape is this lovely peachiness. And if you just stick your nose in there, it's just it, like it just smells like peach. It smells like peach juice. It's really, really aromatic. It's got lovely peachy notes and it's quite kind of um, a lot of fruit you know you can really smell those aromas coming through and then when you taste it there and you get absolutely the other characteristic of this particular grape was I'm salivating yes. which is acidity <laughs> God if it's like you know when you bite into the Granny Smith apple it's like I'm absolutely salivating here um, peach aromas on the nose it's actually quite full body there's a nice length there um, 12% alcohol by volume and oh my God, the length and that, the, those gorgeous peachy, it's almost peaches and cream practically. Yeah. Just goes on forever in the mouth. Lovely wine. Again, so, hey, fish, if you're having fish, yeah, go with this. Absolutely. You know. uh, Texter says, anyone but you isn't bad. Not going to set the world alight, but it's good fun and an easy watch. The two main stars have amazing chemistry. Yeah. So that's pretty much what you said. Yeah, because that's yeah. how they were like positioning it as well. There was a lot of like, were they cheating on significant others or were they just, it was the chemistry just so good and the acting and 
all that jazz, but That's yeah. a handy, okay. handy marketing too. Yeah. All right, so uh, can we talk about uh, Poor Things first? Sounds good. Okay, uh, we'll talk about Poor Things after this. Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. Wedderburn became much weepy and sweary when he discovered my whoring. I find myself merely jealous of the men's time with you rather than any moral aspersion against you. It is your body, Bella Baxter, yours to give freely. I generally charge 30 francs. Well, that seems low. <laughs> That's uh, poor things. Uh, right. So uh, Emma Stone's come back from the dead. Is that, is, is that correct in this? Yeah. So there's basically this kind of mad scientist uh, character who's played by Willem Dafoe, whose name is Dr. Goodwin or God, because of course mm-hmm. his name is God. Uh, yeah. And he brings this young woman uh, back to life after she dies by suicide. One of his uh, students at university named Max, he falls in love with this woman whose name is Bella, played by Emma Stone. However, Bella is then seduced by a lawyer named Duncan, who's played by Mark Ruffalo, and they run away together. And then that's when Bella's story really begins as she uncovers more about um, her true identity and kind of sees the world and learns more and more about it in regards to all its wonders and horrors and uh, complexities and hypocrisies. And it's it ends up being quite a strange but also quite beautiful movie in terms of its design, cinematography, costuming and makeup. You can't deny that it's truly cinematic. I mean, people have probably at this stage, you know, if not seen the trailers, then seen the posters for it and stuff. And it's really quite stunning to look at. I mean, if you can you know, try to see this on the big screen because it's really made for it, you know. Yeah, and so when she's reanimated, if you like, she yeah. she can't remember her previous identity. Does she kind yeah. of emerge into the world as a completely new person? Yeah, it's very strange. She basically is like... <laughs> I don't know how else to describe this as she's kind of like a, a horny infant stuck in the body of a 30-year-old. That is the only way I can describe it because she's going around kind of like almost like, you know, stumbling on her feet and stuff like that, kind of relearning to talk and stuff like this. And then she starts to discover her sexuality and then, you know, doors really start opening up for her. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a mad type of film. And I know there's been kind of a lot of um, discussion um, um, across media, across social, social media about is this a feminist film or is it almost anti-feminist in a way? I'm kind of not really sure where I ended <laughs> yeah. up falling. But I also Does think it have to be either? Yeah, that's, that's true as well. I mean, I just found it so kind of gorgeous to look at and I found it so interesting in that it was so thought provoking and it, it did make me kind of think about, you know, what's happening to our world and about things like life and stuff like that. And I think that that's really a sign of a really strong feature that gets you to kind of think about these, you know, bigger, wider themes outside of the film itself. Mm, it, it, does it have a kind of a, just from your description there, it sounds yeah. slightly like a fairy story. Yeah, you know, as I was watching it, um, and I know that it's been it's been talked about being inspired by Frankenstein. Um, it's it was adapted by a book uh, written by Alistair Gray, but this film almost reminded me very much of Edward Scissorhands as I was watching it. Mm. And Edward Scissorhands, I would almost describe as a kind of like dark fairy tale. So yeah, definitely there is kind of a fairy tale um, aspect to it. And um, as I as I kind of mentioned before the ad break, there there's also a really great dark sense of humor to it. I mean, 
Mark Ruffalo as the lawyer Duncan he steals every scene mm. in this he's just so so funny and he starts off as very kind of cocky and this big player um, but as he kind of you know spends more time with Bella and she's kind of you know uh, uncovering herself and becoming a little more sexually explorative I suppose you could say he his insecurities and his lack of control really start to kick in and he c- completely starts to break down on camera and it's it's quite hilarious to watch I have yeah, to say and it, it, like is the world as is depicted once she goes out into the world, is it like the real world like you and I would recognise it or is it a slightly exaggerated Oh world? no, it's very like strange, very surreal. I mean, initially the film like starts off in black and white and then it's when her and Duncan run away to Lisbon that the film like bursts into colour mm. and they're all these kind of, you know, crazy looking. I, I mean, it looks very like, much like a set, but then other parts of it look like very like CGI generated. So it's absolutely a crazy looking world that you can get totally lost in. And I just, yeah, like I said, I was really kind of overcome by just the beauty of it all. Okay. And yeah. Emma Stone's uh, performance, she's going through a bit of a weirdy phase as well. She was in yeah. that thing, The Curse as well, which is... Yeah, I'm dying yeah. to watch that. Yeah. 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 She, yeah, she's been doing some, she's been making some really interesting um, career moves. And we have to remember this is an actress who I, I'm trying to remember now. I think she's in her mid 30s, but she's still very young um, anyway. And it's interesting because I thought Lily Gladstone uh, for her performance in Killers of the Flower Moon was absolutely going to run away with the Best Actress Oscar. But having seen this, I'm like, Emma Stone might prove a bit of a dark oh, horse in this interesting. race. And I mean, at the Golden Globes, Lily Gladstone won that award of Best Actress for the Drama category. And then Emma Stone won it for the comedy or musical category. So I really do think it's going to prove a two horse race anyway between those two women. I think I still think Lily Gladstone might kind of come out on top and ultimately win the Oscar. But it's really kind of hard to say. And I mean, the the Oscars this year have proven kind of really weird and all of award season. And I think that we're still kind of feeling the like last effects of the SAG of um, the kind of SAG at the Screen Actors Guild and all of those strikes yeah. you know at the end of last year because all of a sudden it's award season and people were like oh the Golden Globes is happening like last week everyone forgot mm. that the Golden Globes is happening there hasn't been kind of a clear winner in sight with regards to what film is going to run away with Best Picture as well as the other Oscars and I think that poor things might end up kind of sneakily coming in and winning it all oh. because it is so it's such an interesting kind of experiment in cinema and it really seems to have particularly captured a lot of the um, kind of minds and imaginations of younger viewers and I think that they're ultimately kind of the ones who are pulling the strings at the Oscars at the moment anyway if the last couple of years are anything to go by you know and which so we, would you classify it as a comedy I suppose, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I classify it as. God, I, I suppose kind of fantasy surrealism more so. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a dark comedy as well. And by the way, if it won Best Picture, that would be very exciting for us because um, Ed Guiney, who is an Irish producer, oh, is a producer, a producer for, for, on it. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, well, not like they haven't produced yeah. a zillion films. Ed yeah, yeah. well, because yeah, well, yeah, yeah. um, Element Pictures yes, work in collaboration yeah. with uh, Yorgos Lanthimos now. But yeah, I believe that they mispronounced his name, <laughs> the Golden Globes. I think they called him Ed Gwynny. So hopefully they'll get it okay, right yeah. Oscar's Ed Gwynny and Cillian Murphy here. <laughs> uh, uh, they, uh, do they drink any vino verde when they're in uh, when they're in Portugal? When uh, they're in White Elizabeth? I know you're trying to tie it in but I uh, can't remember. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, though Mike says it beats champagne any day. Ooh. So he's, he's a definitely. huge plan. Uh, can you ask your wine expert where you can get Las Andes Sauvignon Blanc? Oh, that's pretty well everywhere. Yeah, Widely available, as they say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw a preview of Poor Things the other night. To quote Father Ted, you wouldn't believe the amount of nudity in it. Yeah. Seriously, though, it was good. But 
I can't help but feel his films are going in a kind of Wes Anderson direction, i.e. the same sort of mad formula and mad two-dimensional characters in a different mad setting. Not sure I quite got the joke. Uh, to be honest. Now, in fairness, his films are yeah. always like this. I mean, I do get the Wes Anderson comparison with regards to, if you compare this to something like The Life Aquatic, you know how yeah. that's kind of got this crazy like set design and stuff like that. Um, but I think that Wes Anderson films are very wholesome, whereas your yes. Lanthimos, you never know quite how to feel <laughs> yes. by the end of them. Um, but yes, I would agree as well about the sex scenes. Do not watch this film with your parents. It'll get very awkward. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sold. Uh, right, so Selena Gomez is going to play... Re- uh, Linda Rodstad, actually a couple of biopic uh, uh, stories Yeah, here. yeah. I can see I, that. She does look a bit like her, she yeah. She does. Do, can she sing as well as Linda? I have no idea. I, I don't think so, but that, do you know what? That's just my opinion. Yeah, announced this week, um, she put up a picture on her Instagram story of uh, Ronstadt's uh, memoir, Simple Dreams. But it's a lot of Ronstadt's team are involved in this as well. It's in pre-production. So you have Ronstadt's manager, John Boylan, and James Keach, who produced the 2019 documentary about her called Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. We have no other casting announcements and we don't know kind of when it's happening. Look, I will say she's kind, in terms of Selena, she's kind of proved herself in terms of acting. Obviously, she's just coming off yeah. a Golden Globes nomination for Only Murders in the building. I just... And I like a lot of her music, but you wouldn't, you're not putting vocalist in the same sentence with her for me personally. But we'll see. I'm open yeah. to being proven wrong. Uh, is Linda Rodson, she must be involved in the um, the production of this movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. she is. Yeah. Okay. Right. And I don't know. I don't know enough about her life to know if there's anything particularly dramatic happened in Linda Rodson's life to... Well, I mean, like a huge success. You're talking about 11 Grammys, like honoured by the Recording Academy and the Latin Recording Academy because I think people, she's of Mexican descent. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't and know. And obviously struggling a lot later in life with health. Um. I think they'd initially thought she had Alzheimer's, has some kind of palsy disease that means oh, she essentially can't yeah. sing anymore. She's yeah, really yeah. sad. Not even sure if they'll cover that, to be honest. You know, some biopics only take a certain period of time Up or whatever. The, but they got famous bit and, yeah, then, and yeah. then there's writing yeah. at, at the end. So yeah. there won't be any car chases in this. We, uh, uh, as we no, not okay. as far as I can right. tell, yeah. Now, this is a more interesting one. The Michael Jackson biopic. Yes. Obviously, this raises all sorts of questions as it to does. what they'll cover and what they won't uh, or, and I'd, how. I'd imagine they're not going to cover the not great stuff because his estate, heavily involved, his right. Thank you. Playing okay. him, uh, Jafar Jackson. I think I talked about this a couple of months ago that it was Jafar Jackson was going to be playing Michael. The biopic is called Michael and it's going to be released April 18th, 2025. Um, directing with Antoine Fuqua. Uh, he's directing. And then Graham King, who did was producer on Bohemian Rhapsody. He's producing. John Logan's doing the script. Like, they're describing it as this, you know, documenting the life of a complicated man who becomes the king of pop from triumphs to tragedies, his human side and personal struggles to creative genius. But, like, the co-executors of the Michael Jackson stage, John Branca and John McClane, are also producers. So, like, what is going to be covered? You know what I mean? When they say the personal struggles... What personal struggles are we? I'm very much heavily nodding to the elephant in the room here. Yes, in terms of course. Of yeah, yeah so. but they say complicated man. That's yeah. probably, you know. I, which he was I, a bit odd. If I, he was that. a bit, yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to cover any of it. I think there's going to be, like, even to, even an implication, I would say would be too much for them. I don't know. I don't know. I could be proven totally Yeah, wrong. no, indeed. I wonder though. Now, I mean, obviously there's going to be people who are diehard fans of Michael Jackson who are going to yeah. go and see this, but would a, a, the ordinary punter feel a degree of, discom- you know, discomfort 
going to see a biopic, especially if it's produced by I, his estate. I and it's kind of going, oh, he was yeah. all that other stuff wasn't true. Definitely. And I think especially in the wake of the documentary, but look, at the same time, it's a mad story and his, the success, even in a commercial sense with music, cannot be denied. Like it's just... Oh no, absolutely. And the story, that, um, you know, the father and the, yeah. and the Jackson 5 and all that stuff, you know, it's extraordinary, but you can't help, you know. Yeah. And as much as there is a section who will be like, I'm not going near that because it's all a bit weird. There'll be a section where like, I don't care. It's separate there from the artist, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's a bit like he's not alive anymore, et cetera, et cetera. But it, his estate are so heavily involved yeah. and are I, so I, conscious of the image. Yeah, that, I, I, that that's an interesting, I, because that argument maybe applies if you, are a fan of his music hmm. and you can say, all oh, right, I'm separating the artist from uh, um, from the music, fine. Um, but if you're looking at a biopic, it's hmm. about his life yeah. and who he was and his motivations and and it's kind of, you're not really telling a story in a yeah. way if you don't yeah. cover all of it. Yeah. You know. But how do, they, how do they then? You know what I mean? Because it's so, they're such serious allegations. Like it's very, it's tricky. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. You're listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Gene Fanula and Deirdre are still with us in the studio. Let's uh, move on to our Rioja. Okay, Rioja. Well, I mean, we've even done a, a, an outside broadcast from Rioja. We have indeed. Such is yes. popularity. I mean, believe it or not, Ireland is the 11th globally the 11th most um, important market in the world for Yucca wines. They sell a huge amount of it here. Absolutely. And I, I suppose it goes back to the 70s when, you know, the first package holidays were to Spain and when people mm. got there, they started, you know, they got introduced to this aged red wine style. But actually nowadays, Rioja has, has changed so much. I mean, in 2019, they introduced this whole new raft of legislation and new wines. They're making sparkling wines, white wines, everything. So it's not just red wines, but the wine style that is particularly popular here and the one that everybody goes for are the aged red wine styles. And that's basically what Red Rioja is. They age them in American oak barrels because the wood in them are, is more porous. And that means, you know, in minuscule amounts of air, much more so than, say, a French oak barrique, which is much tighter grained, gets in and gives you that lovely rounded vanilla soft style. And people just love that. That That is the appeal of the wine style. So this one is called El Cotto. Um, it's a, it was originally a cooperative founded in 1970. Now it's a private company. It's actually now one of the biggest um, Rioja houses in, in, in the region. It's the 2019 Crianza. Um, again, price, it's in the independent, so it's priced between 18 and 20 euro. It's like in Malloy's, and um, they're all over Dublin. O'Donovan's in Cork, another, they have uh, nine branches there. McHugh's, independent's off license, fresh have it as well. So it's made from a grape called Tempranillo. Um, they, they usually, it's about nine, 80-90% Tempranillo and then sometimes they um, add it, add in other grape varieties including white grape varieties but um, Tempranillo is like the Cabernet Sauvignon of Spain in that it's their kind of premium red grape so um, except unlike um, Cabernet it's an early ripening grape whereas Cabernet tends to be a late ripener so the tannins in this are going to be softer um, so basically Crianza defines the length of time this wine has been aged for. And this particular age wine was aged for 12 months in an American oak barrel and then six months in the bottle. And again, all that aging shows through in the wine. Um, 
when you stick your nose in there, you're getting that vanilla and that spice and that dark berry fruit that people love so much. And then when you try it, soft, it's easy. I mean, yeah, it's it, lovely like, and soft. It yeah. really is soft. Yeah. Talons are really, really approachable. And there's lovely kind of almost black cherry fruit in that. Um, look, it's whether you're having something to eat or whether you just want to sip it in front of a fire because apparently it's going to snow next week. And oh, really? apparently, so this is a real kind of sipping wine with a nice bit of lump of cheese in front yeah. of a fire on a cold Can't winter's day. How, how, much, how much will that knock you back? About 18 a- to 20 euro. And it's the El Cotto Crianzo 2019. And again, independent off like Okay, so. yeah, yeah. Lovely stuff. Right, we'll move on to our second movie of the day. It is uh, The Boys in the Boat. Let's find out, did they sink? I'm Coach Overton. Well, that's Coach Bowles, Coach Brown. Now, you're all here because we're looking for the eight most qualified young men to fill out JV boat. That means that most of you will not be chosen. In fact, the majority of you will most likely walk away on your own within the next few weeks because your bodies will hurt, your minds will tire, and you'll decide this dream of yours to compete against the greatest crews in the world is just not worth it. Well, there's no shame in that. Eight-man crew is the most difficult team sport in the world. The average human body is just not meant for such things. It's just not capable of such things. But average is not going to get a seat on my boat. So good luck. Uh, right. Deirdre, is this uh, chariots of fire in a boat? I guess so. Yeah, I think that that's a fair description, actually. Uh, so, yeah, the, this film is set in the 1930s Depression era and we primarily fo- follow uh, Joe Rance, who is played by Callum Turner. He was in um, Fantastic Beasts and he's been in a couple of like romantic dramas and stuff like that. Um, but he wants to continue his studies at the University of Washington. But since it's 1930s Depression era, he's struggling to find a job. So instead, he wants to uh, become a rower so that they mm. cover his um, studies. So he manages to get a spot in this uh, team of eight and um, his team which is the junior team at University of Washington uh, really ends up surpassing everyone's expectations and they eventually go on to uh, compete at the 1936 Summer Olympics under the tutelage of their coach who is played by uh, Joel Edgerton who you would have heard in the clip there. Right, okay. Uh, And uh, it it sounds kind of like there's going to be no surprise twist at the end of this. Really. Yeah, exactly. Look, it's very, very conventional. Um, I said at, at, kind of at the top of the show that I can totally see why George Clooney chose this as his like latest cinema release. It's a crowd pleaser. It's this sports drama that's based on a true story. So you've got your underdogs. You've got your all-American pride running through it. Um, so it's a nice movie. It is very feel-good. It's fairly predictable. It's not particularly, you know, extraordinary or surprising in any way. But but it's a nice watch, you know, if you just want to go to a movie that's just going to make you smile and be like, oh, wasn't that lovely? This is a good one to yeah. pick the bill. You're kind of dominant with faint praise there, really. <laughs> um, one thing I will say for it, though, is that um, I do think the rowing scenes themselves are done uh, very well. I have some uh, rowers in my family. My dad rows and my youngest sister rows. And rowing is a notoriously difficult sport to, like, make exciting looking unless you're, like, there in the boat. Because if you're watching it live, you're standing on the sidelines, the boats go by and then you're kind of craning your neck trying to see like who's winning and then even if you're watching it on TV you know they do kind of an aerial shot and it it just looks like two lines like one trying to surpass the other so it's just not very exciting to watch but in fairness I do think Clooney directs those scenes uh, very well they're very like well edited you know they kind of um 
they go for for like kind of a variety of perspectives and they do bring kind of the excitement to it. But at the same time, it never feels like they're particularly high stakes or that, you know, the, the team of eight have to endure very much. You know, they're constantly bringing each other up and like one of them gets sick and one of them kind of goes through a personal crisis. But then everything is resolved like quite quickly and quite neatly. So... Yeah, it's just kind of one of those like feel good, easy to watch sort of movies, I suppose. Mm, um, yeah. Like it's 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 a nice one, you know, it's yeah. just it's just not very yeah, exciting or very different to anything you've already seen. Now, he's not in it, he just directs it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I do think that um it goes to show. So this was actually originally um the rights to this book were bought back in 2011 and we're only getting the film Uh, Now, it was actually uh, at the time purchased by the now debunked Weinstein Company, no less. Uh, But the (laughs) fact that it's being made now kind of shows, well, this could have been made 10 or 20 years ago. Like there's nothing particularly contemporary or interesting about this movie, but it's it's a pleasant viewing experience, I suppose. Okay, yeah. It sounds like a film that I play well in more in the States than perhaps outside the States. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But but at the same time, you know, it's a nice one to kind of go to with like your parents or your grandparents or something like that and everyone will leave being like wasn't that very nice okay just you know? don't go in the wrong door and bring them to poor <laughs> things yeah, by exactly. mistake yeah. oh and um, also Hitler pops up in the third act which is very random so. <laughs> <laughs> yes of course this is why we're rowing we're rowing against Hitler so how come how come you're not a, a big rower then Deirdre? you said your family members oh, were me? yeah I mean my my dad tried so it's my, it's my youngest sister and she's the youngest of five so he tried to convince a lot All of, of us, us. But, it, but it took the fifth one the, finally to, to Give in. Got in the boat. Got right. in the boat. Okay, good for her. Uh, right. So, I mean, we have been talking. Uh, um, uh, Fanula was telling us about two biopics uh, uh, that, that are in the works. Uh, a third one, uh, they've released a trailer for an Amy Winehouse biopic. Yep. Back to Black. It's coming. I didn't realise it was coming so soon, but it's April 12th. Um, the trailer's out if anyone wants to go see it. It's starring uh, Marissa Abela, who is in Industry, which is a show that I also really want to watch, but it's on my ever-growing list. Uh, it's directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, who did the uh, iconic Fifty Shades of Grey franchise. Uh-huh. Um, and it documents her, Amy's like, whirlwind rise to fame and stuff like that. I will say I was very apprehensive. The trailer doesn't look like an absolute shambles in the way I thought it was. I actually think... Marissa pulls her off very well and the actor who plays uh, Blake Fielder Civil very good. I don't know do I trust Sam Taylor Johnson as a director to no. handle the, and like look I know she did Nowhere Boy which is the uh, the movie about a young John Lennon I don't know I'm just and again we were talking about is the Michael Jackson biopic a bit too soon off air and this and then again I'm like is the Amy Winehouse biopic too soon I don't know is it just how tragic her circumstances were I don't know but We'll see. Be interesting to see how many people actually turn out for this, you know? Yeah. I'd, well, no, it's a hell of a story to tell, but I imagine, actually, of all the biopics we talked about, that might be proved to be the most controversial. Yeah, definitely. In that she's almost like a hallowed figure yeah. in, in, in a way. And if you don't get it right... Yeah, and the views around like her estate in particular and like the, the involvement. They, now, they are, they've endorsed this, but I mean, yeah, it's people, people have very complicated feelings about Amy as well, so... Yeah. Mm. Okay, that's our lot uh, for today. Uh, thanks to uh, uh, Fanula, uh, Jean, and Deirdre. Movies and booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk.